prophetic book to just kind of recap where we've been. Habakkuk began in chapter 1 crying out to God about the sinfulness of his nation and how they had turned to, to idols. And Habakkuk was saying, God, do you even see what's going on? Do you even care what's going on? And God answers Habakkuk, but he answers him in a way that Habakkuk did not um, expect. I think Habakkuk probably expected God to send a revival throughout the land or something. But God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, and I haven't told you this before, because if I had, you wouldn't have believed me. And he says that what's going to happen is the Chaldeans or the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to completely destroy Jerusalem and tear down the temple and they're going to carry the people away captive. And when Habakkuk saw this, he said, wait a minute. He said, I know we're a godless nation, but Lord, they're even more ungodly than we are. And you're going to use them to do this. And God says to Habakkuk, it's one of the center pieces of the Bible, Habakkuk chapter two and verse four. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. God said, Habakkuk, I know you don't understand what I'm doing. I know you have questions about what's going on. But Habakkuk, trust me. Trust me that I... And the one who is in control. Now, I, I, I began this, this message in chapter 1 talking about, folks, how you and I today live in a nation that is just as godless and just as wicked as Israel ever was. What is going to happen? I don't know. There is no doubt, no one can doubt that America is under the judgment of God. And I want to tell you something, folks, there are dark clouds looming and the storms getting worse, just as it did in the days of Habakkuk. Now, I'm not saying that some foreign nation is going to invade us. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if God so judged the nation Israel, will he not also judge us? And Habakkuk's concerned with this. He's, a, he, he, he's concerned, he's perplexed by the moral dimensions of God's action. And in chapter 3, we see a prophet that is afraid. He's afraid about what's going to happen. God has revealed to him and God has told Habakkuk to live by faith in the coming troubling times. And Habakkuk says, yes, I have faith, but I'm still afraid. Listen, being afraid does not mean we don't have faith. There are many things that happen to us in life and many things that can happen to us as a nation that can make us afraid. But God is going to show Habakkuk and us, Habakkuk, I am still, y'all ready for this? I am still God. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to 
the Shigeonoth. Now, the Shigeonoth was kind of a, a vibrant song. Oh, Yahweh, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. Oh, Yahweh, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In rage, remember your compassion. Habakkuk is afraid, and he says, God, look, I understand what you're doing to this nation. We deserve what you're doing to this nation. But Lord, please, in the midst of your judgment, remember compassion. Have mercy. We see that this book begins with Habakkuk in fear. But we're going to see that it ends with Habakkuk rejoicing. Because he's going to learn and remember to walk by faith. <coughs> and this victory is available to all of God's people. Whatever we are called to go through. The Christian way of dealing with fear is rejoice in God. Throughout the Bible, we see many times when... Uh, a human being would come face to face with an angelic being or with God himself. And the first thing that would usually be said is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is the solution that Habakkuk arrives at in this chapter. That if I will just keep my focus and rejoice in who God is and what God has done... My fear will go away. My fears will dissipate. Habakkuk's knowledge of God is what overcame his fear. I have said many, many times and will continue to say that I think one of the biggest problems in the church in the West today is this. We don't know who God is. We don't know who He is. We think that God is a God of love. And He is. But we think that that love means that He is tolerant and accepting of sin. And that is not the God of love that we know. I heard someone say the other day that, and this was definitely someone who doesn't know God, they said, we need to understand that God is tolerant. And folks, I want to tell you that God is probably the most intolerant being in the universe. He will never be tolerating of sin regardless of what it is. And listen, when I talk about sin and God being intolerant of our sin in our nation, I'm not just talking about the homosexual agenda and the transgenderism. I'm talking about the adultery and the drunkenness and the drug abuse, everything. The pride, the self-righteousness, all of these things. God is never tolerant of these things. Habakkuk had a knowledge of God. Look at verse 3. He says, God comes from Taman. And the Holy One from Mount Paran, his, his splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. What we're going to see here through most of this chapter is Habakkuk is looking. He's saying, I remember what God has done throughout history. I remember who he is. Verse 3 he talks about how God came out of Sinai in order to deliver the people from Egypt. And Habakkuk is looking back at that great deliverance. 
And he says, God, I know who you are and I know what you can do. Verse 4, his brightness is like the sunshine. He has rays flashing from his hand and there is the hiding of his strength. Verse 4, this probably speaks of the Shekinah glory cloud of God. The one that when, when Israel left Egypt and they're going to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind and he says, no, let's go get them and bring them back. So all of Pharaoh's armies go and the children of Israel are standing there at the Red Sea <clears throat> and they look behind and they see a great cloud of dust. And then they see the glory of God, a wall of fire that separates them between the Red Sea. They and then back we are going to be devastated by the Babylonians, but God, I know that we've been here before. And I know, God, that you have delivered us before. Verse 5, before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. Probably speaking of the plagues of Egypt and the conquest of Canaan. You know that, that during the plagues that God poured out upon the nation of Egypt, as Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would time after time after time refuse to let the people go, these plagues did not affect the Israelites. It was only on the Egyptians. And Pharaoh's uh, Habakkuk is remembering this. Verse 8, Did Yahweh's fury burn against the rivers, or was your anger against the rivers, or was your wrath against the sea? that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation. This probably refers to the parting of the Red Sea. Can you imagine what a miraculous sight this was? Picture yourself as being an Israelite in those days. <clears throat> For 400 years you've been slaves in Egypt. And suddenly there's one who comes and says, I am has sent me. And I'm going to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And the next thing they know, they're loading up. Not only are they leaving Egypt, the Egyptians are piling on them silver and gold and all these things. And, and, and they, they march out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea. Now remember, Pharaoh's coming after him. He changed his mind. And here are the people trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And I'm sure they, they, they looked at Moses and said, what have you done to us? And Moses said, okay, and I'm going to paraphrase what Moses said. He said, be quiet and watch what God does. And he raised that rod and the waters parted. And they crossed on dry ground, this wall of water on each side. And Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I remember what you did. I remember this. Verse 11. Sun and moon stood in their lofty places. They went away in the light of your arrows at the brightness of your flashing spear. 
You know, it's an interesting thing when America was planning to go to the moon. And those who were planning and putting everything together, they kept coming up with a problem. They could not get the calculations correct, and they couldn't figure out why. And someone came to them and said, I can tell you your problem. You're missing a day. And they said, yes, we are. And he said, I can show you where that day is. When God made the sun and the moon stand still. You know, when, the, when NASA factored that in, you know what happened next? We went to the moon. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. He, he refers to, to uh, Joshua chapter 10, when the sun and the moon stood still in the midst of a battle, and, and he prayed and said, Lord, help us and give us, you know, make this stop. And, and it did. Can you imagine what that must have been like to see this? You see, it's in moments of fear that we need to stop and remember who God is and what He's done. Listen, for you and I today, do you know that God has done something for us greater than anything He ever did for Israel? We were dead in trespasses and sins, and He gave us life. And you know why He did it? Because we're good people. He did it because we deserved it. He did it because he's God. And so in these moments of fear, Habakkuk says, Lord, I'm afraid. I know the Babylonians are coming. I know this is going to be terrible. Jeremiah has already told them at the same time. He says, look, uh, Habakkuk and Jeremiah both are preaching to Israel at the same time. And they're saying to them, the Babylonians are coming. And Jeremiah has already told the people, when they get here, you submit to them. Give everything away to them. You just do whatever they say, and they're going to carry you off. And the people, they said, well, Jeremiah, you're not a very patriotic person. How could you dare say that our nation could have to bow down to another nation? And they threw him in prison. But you know what happened? Exactly what Jeremiah said. And so we need to remember, you need to remember that once we were lost, we were alienated from God by our sin, and God in His mercy and His love came to us, and He called us out of this world, and He, he, he like Lazarus, Jesus stood and He called, and He said, Bobby, come forth. He said, Tim, come forth. Cindy, come forth. And you know what I did? I got up and I came forth. We all did. He called us, and so we remember what God has done. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> you went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked to lay him bare from thigh to neck. Habakkuk reminds himself of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. He has been faithful to his church since the moment it was born. Has the church suffered throughout history? Yes, it has. Will the church continue to suffer throughout history? Yes, it will. There are people in our world today, in other nations, that are suffering for the fact that they are proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ to those who are lost. And I want to tell you something, folks. Their suffering is not having a door slammed in their face. 
Their suffering is not having people get mad and leave the church. Their suffering is they're being put to death because they're preaching the gospel. God's past acts in history demonstrate that he is able. He is able to save those who look to him in faith. <clears throat> Habakkuk 2, 4. The righteous shall live by his faith. You know what that verse actually says is this. In the original, it actually reads, by his faith, the righteous will live. That, that kind of makes it a little different. By his faith, the righteous will live. When we get saved, we are saved by grace through faith. <coughs> by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. But our faith doesn't stop there. And by the way, the faith that you are saved through doesn't come from you. It comes from God. For it is by grace, Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. But you see, that faith doesn't stop there. Paul quotes Habakkuk. The writer to the Hebrews quotes Habakkuk. For the righteous shall live by faith, or by faith the righteous shall live. And we, we, we see that fear in John chapter 14. One more passage. you will be to the cross and be crucified. <clears throat> he was going to raise from the dead on the third day. He was going to ascend back into heaven and the disciples were going to go out into all the world and he's already told them in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Rejoice because I've overcome the world. And he's saying to them here, he's preparing them. He says, look, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In Matthew 28, with a great commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go, preach the gospel to all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But the last thing he says is the best part. And I am with you even to the end of the age. So no reason to be afraid. And, and, and what we find here in Habakkuk, he's saying, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, the more, you see, here's what's the progression that's happening. Habakkuk starts out, he's scared to death. He's trembling. His heart is heavy. He says, my people have sinned. God's going to judge us. We deserve God's judgment. Not what I expected, but it's what's coming. And he said, the Babylonians are a ruthless people. They're going to destroy everything they touch like locusts that cover the land. And Habakkuk says, I'm afraid. But then he begins and he says, but God, I remember. I remember 
how you brought us out of Egypt. I remember how you brought us across the Red Sea. I remember how you stopped the sun and the moon. I remember how you brought us to conquest of the land of Canaan. And as he continues to do this, he's still a little bit afraid, but his heart's getting a little more pepped up. His heart's getting a little more excited. <clears throat> now, the, the majority of this message is going to be found in the next verses. Verses 16 through 19. Read them with me. I heard and my inward parts trembled at the sound of my lips. At the sound, my lips tingled. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. Okay, so Habakkuk says, look, Every inch of me is afraid. I'm trembling. My knees are knocking. My inward parts tremble. He said, my lips are quivering. Decay enters my bones and I'm trembling. Because I'm waiting for the day that this will all happen. I'm waiting for the judgment of God to come upon the nation of Israel when they come. And Habakkuk knows the certainty of the Babylonian invasion. He knows it will be ferocious. And Habakkuk fully shares in the weakness of our human flesh. Now, I want you to imagine... <clears throat> okay. Hypothetical here. Don't say, well, Pastor Bobby said this was going to happen because I'm not. <laughs> Hypothetical situation. We find out. <clears throat> we pray. And we fast before God. And we lift up our nation to God and say, Lord, are you going to do anything? Do you see what's going on in America? And God responds and says, yes, I see what's going on. And yes, I'm going to do something. I'm going to pick the most ungodly nation on earth and I'm going to have them invade you. And they're going to go through the land and they're going to destroy everything. And they're going to, they're, they're going to kill people and they're going to make them all. Uh, those who are left alive will be taken captive. Now, how would you feel? If you knew that that's what God said, how would we feel? That's how Habakkuk felt. You're going to tell me you wouldn't be afraid? Knowing that everything we've ever known in our life could be gone in an instant. This is how Habakkuk felt. The, the, the people of God cannot escape the fears of this life. It may be a national collapse at the hands of a foreign enemy. Uh, it may be death for proclaiming the unwelcomed message of the gospel. You know, it's interesting that Throughout her history, no one has sent more missionaries out into the world like America has. Okay, now with that said, let me reiterate something I said before, lest you misunderstand me. America is not and never has been a Christian nation. But we have sent more missionaries. But do you know that we don't do that anymore? Do you know that the majority of missionaries are coming here? They're coming to us to proclaim to us the message of the gospel. So fears are part of living in this life. And Habakkuk's imagination ran through the consequences of the coming brutal invasion. 
Look at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no produce on the vines, though the, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Habakkuk can picture what's going to happen here. That though the land will be, he, he begins verse 17 with the word though or although. There's no question in his mind what's going to happen. There's no question how it's going to be. Though the land is stripped of all the things uh, that bring bodily substance, yet, he says in verse 18, I will have rejoice in the God of my salvation. There is a great satisfaction for God's people to be found when we seek not the things of God, but God himself. And this is what Habakkuk has done here. <clears throat> Habakkuk is meditating in the spirit. Well, read verse 18 and 19. Yet I will exult in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength, and he has set my feet like hinds feet and makes me tread on the high places. Right there, Habakkuk is meditating on the words of the Apostle Paul before Paul ever wrote them. When Paul says in Romans 8, 35 through 37, who will separate us from the love of God? The love of Christ. Will affliction or turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sakes we are being put to death all the day long. We were counted as sheep for the slaughter. Who's going to separate us from the love of God? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing, Paul says. And notice what he says here. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We are more than conquerors. Paul doesn't say that we won't face trials. He doesn't say we won't face uh, sorrows. But he says that in all of these circumstances of suffering loss, you and I can continue to possess the love of our God. Here's what Habakkuk has found. He has says, I know, I know what's going to happen. The Babylonians are coming. They're going to be like locusts across the land. There won't, there won't be any food. There won't be anything. There will be people dead. He says, but I will exult in my God because I know he loves his people. He loves his people. This brings us to question. You see, Habakkuk has learned, I don't need anything except God. I don't need anything except God. What about us? Is the Lord our delight? Who or what do we trust? Who is our idol? What is our idol? What is our God? Food in the pantry? Money in the bank? Habakkuk said, I know the time's coming when the Babylonians get here, there won't be any food, won't be any money. 
It's going to be gone. Yes, it can happen here. What would we do? You know, I, I, I've read all about <clears throat> the Great Depression, the stock market crash that happened back in, what was 1929? And how people were jumping out of the high-rise buildings because all their money was gone. Do you know why they did that? Because their God was gone. All earthly material will forsake you. All of it. We must learn to rejoice, as, as it's back again, rejoice in the Lord through faith in God. Will be the sweetest thing we have in times of distress and trouble. You know, I watch these, these, these video interviews of these people from Voice of the Martyrs. And, and uh, uh, there's another one, I can't remember the name of it, where they talk to persecuted Christians across the world. And none of these people are saying, oh, we wish somebody would help us. We're in such distress. We're in such trouble. Our lives are in danger. You know what they're saying? They're saying things like, yes. I saw my entire family killed before my eyes, but I praise God that I will see them again. Yes, I spent all this time in prison because I preached the gospel. But praise be to God. That's what happens when you walk by faith, when you realize that if you have nothing left in this world, no money, no food, no place to live, no nothing but God, you have enough. What are you clutching to your heart? Is it something that you cannot hold? Or are you clutching to God's promises? Verse 19, he says, Yahweh the Lord is my strength. And he makes my feet like hinds feet and makes me tread on the high places. He says, for the choir director on my string. Here's Habakkuk is saying, look. Let's sing this. Let's sing about the greatness of our God. Having called God the God of my salvation in verse 18, he now boasts in the ultimate triumph that the Lord will give him. Hinds feet. God enables his people to move swiftly and surely through earth's trials and tribulations like a deer running through the forest. You ever seen a deer running through the forest? I mean, you know, if you ever scare a deer, and I mean, they take off like a shot, but they don't run into trees. They don't trip over rocks. They know exactly what they're doing. And, and Habakkuk is saying, look, Yahweh is the Lord is my strength, and he has set my feet like a deer's feet, like a hind's feet. Listen, there is no revelation given here of the final state of Israel in this book. But we do know something Habakkuk did not recognize at the time. <clears throat> we do know that there came a time when Israel came out of that trip, out of that captivity to Babylon. And they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. There's an hour of triumph. Habakkuk 
can only see it by faith. He knows how brutal the Babylonians are. He knows what the place is going to look like. He knows how ruthless they are to their, to their captives. But he says, I know this. I will exult in God. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. We know that there is such an hour of triumph. There will come a day when Jesus will come and he will say, It is done. It is done. I make all things new. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. Sin will be gone. But we must understand, folks. Now, I told you this last week, and, and, and some of you may disagree with me, and that's okay. You have a right to be wrong. No, no seriously. I believe with all my heart that America's done. We're a nation that is headed for eternal, for final judgment from God. But the people of God in America, God says, I will preserve you. Not saying we won't suffer, not saying we won't go through hard times, but he says there's an hour coming when I will make all things right. And knowing that we are more than conquerors enables us to face our most troubling times. Our souls are to be anchored in these certainties. Can we face the loss of all earthly goods and be certain of final triumph? I mean, just imagine for a moment. You know, there's a little nation or country, I don't know what you call it, a country or a nation, down south called Venezuela. Used to be one of the most affluent nations on the planet. Today, they're turning their money for fuel. They're eating rats and dogs and cats and whatever else they can find because they have no food. What if it happened here? What if God says, to this nation, I've had enough of your idolatry. I've had enough of your, your blatant sinfulness. I mean, you think about this, folks. Now, don't get me wrong. We have basically two political parties. And I want to tell you, one is just as bad as the other. Okay, whether we believe that or not. But it wasn't that long ago that one of those parties on national television booed God. <laughs> I never I saw that and that just blew my mind. And I want to tell you what happens when a nation turns against God, God turns against the nation. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, the Bible says. But can we face the loss of all our earthly goods and be certain of the final triumph? of every believer in Christ. Do you know the highest joys in Christ through the forgiveness of sin? Do you have a hope beyond your material? We need to meditate on this great statement of faith in verses 17 through 19. We need to call on God to have mercy on us in the face of our sin. 
When Habakkuk was there proclaiming this message to the nation of Judah, and Jeremiah was there proclaiming this message to the people of, Je of Israel, it's interesting to me that Habakkuk does not call on God to send a great revival. Habakkuk says, we deserve your righteous judgment. We reserve your wrath, God. But he does say there, I love what he says there at the end of verse uh, three or two. He says, in rage or in your wrath or in your judgment, please remember compassion. Have mercy. We need to call on Christ for mercy in the face of our sin. Ask Him for eternal life. Learn to live and walk by faith, by trusting God. This is what we must learn. And I say we must learn this because we, we give lip service to this. We say, God, I trust you. Until all my money's gone. I trust you until I don't have a place to live. I trust you until I don't have any food to eat. Is that not what we do? We say, God, I trust you unless or until. When what we have to say like the Apostle Paul, we say, whether we live or whether we die, we trust you, God. And it, it reminds me of the, the, the three Hebrews that were thrown into the fiery furnace in, in the book of Daniel. They wouldn't bow down to the image. And so they were thrown into the... And, and the king said to them, look, if you don't bow down to the image when the music plays... I'm going to take you and I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, okay. And he said, well, you're going to die. And he said, well, maybe. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. I mean, they really, you read it, it has that kind of an attitude with them. But you know what one of the most beautiful things is? They were thrown into that furnace. And you talk about a fly on the wall. As Nebuchadnezzar leans over and says, Hey, didn't we throw three in there? Yes, sire. Well, why do I see four? And one of them looks like the Son of Man. But not only did he throw three in, you know how many came out? Three. But he saw four. Where did the fourth man go? There's a beautiful song about this, but you never heard it. He's still in there, he's still in the fire. And when you and I face the trials and the tribulations and the fires of this world, he's still there. And I will tell you, just as those Hebrew boys did, you and I will come through with not a hair on our heads singed. Now, what I mean by that is, I'm not saying we won't suffer persecution, not saying you won't go through pain in this life, but I'm saying in the ultimate, in the end of things, Paul says we are more than conquerors. And the day will come when we will be the trophies of grace for our God. And all the world will see. As Jesus says, mine, these are mine. Isn't that a wonderful? Let's pray. Father, 
God, we come to you this morning with hearts that are heavy for a nation, Lord. This, we're about to celebrate the birth of our nation. And Father, we are so thankful to you, God, for allowing us to be born in a nation where we've been free with the rights and the privileges that we've had in this country. But Father, we are a nation that has turned our backs on you. And Father, we do deserve your righteous wrath. We deserve your judgment. Father, help us to begin to pray for one another. That Lord, in the coming days, whatever you may do, that we would keep our faith and our trust in you and you alone. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have made us more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Help us to walk by faith as we learn, Father, who you are and remember what you've done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.